0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another SmackDown Roundup. I'm your host, Ryan Satin, and we're back once again to break down Friday Night SmackDown segment by segment. Before we do that, though, as always, I gotta give a little bit of love to the listeners, a little bit of love to the people who went out of their way to leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts. This week, we got five stars from Seth T32, my boy Seth T32 said, one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. Podcasts, plural. Podcasts, uh, plural. One of my favorite podcasts to listen to on the way to work. I recommend it to all my friends who are wrestling fans. Great interviews and recaps of Ron SmackDown. Can't wait till the White Rabbit. Is revealed all the online videos of the Jefferson Airplane song playing in the arena during the commercial breaks give me chills. One of the coolest things WWE has ever done, in my opinion. I look forward to hearing your thoughts. Keep up the great work, Ryan Seth. Thank you, I appreciate it. And we're gonna get into the White Rabbit clue from this week's episode of SmackDown. But first, we gotta start at the beginning of the show. That was not at the beginning of the show, so I gotta. Backtrack a little bit. We got to start off with Sami Zayn and Solo Sikoa versus Ricochet and Madcap Moss. Uh, I I love I love that Sami Zayn is getting more popular by the day in WWE. And you know what's even better about it is that he's getting his flowers. He's getting his flowers from people at the same time. People aren't all hating on it. You know, initially i I. I would have said I don't think that you can recreate the love the audience had for Daniel Bryan years ago when they really wanted to see him win the title, but the people are really getting behind Sami Zayn in the way they got behind Becky Lynch and the way they got behind Daniel Bryan, and I'm really loving the positive reactions he's getting from the crowds, even while playing a heel character, because we all know... This is going somewhere, and we all appreciate that it's been very entertaining, that Sami Zayn is going out of his way to entertain the hell out of us. I had Kayla Braxton on out a Character this week, and she even said that she thinks Sami Zayn is the most entertaining character they have on the shows right now. I think I saw Shane Helms was on After the Bell this week and said the exact same thing. So it's nice to see that people in the industry are all appreciating what Sami Zayn is doing as the Honorary Oos show begins with him coming out first. Place goes nuts for him. Get Solo Sokoa's solo entrance after that, which is really cool, live. I don't know if I talked about that when I did the SmackDown roundup from when they were out here in Anaheim. But it has a really cool presence to it in person comes across well on TV, obviously too, but uh, in person, it's it's it just it's almost similar to like how Naomi's is like a cool, fun experience where just because visually it's so impressive, and I like that's kind of how I feel about Solo Sokoa's entrance too. The finish of this match saw Solo use a chair on Ricochet while the ref wasn't looking, then tag himself in to get the pin after hitting a spinning Uranagi. Madcap tries to fight Sammy after the match, but Solo sees this, goes crazy on him, headbutts Madcap multiple times, also gives him two consecutive running hips in the corner. And I gotta say, like you know, just in, you know, in the way I was talking about Sammy just now, you gotta give props to the way they're handling Solo Sokoa. I think that you know, Madcap Moss is someone who isn't unbeatable in WWE, but, you know, over the past, you know, let's say the past year, I believe that's how long he's been on the main roster now as this Madcap Moss character. He's been a fixture of, of the show for the past year for the most part. Um, even though there's been a regime change, he he is, he has still been a fixture of the show for the past year. And to get uh, a win like that over Madcap, I thought was good for building up how tough Solo Sokoa is, especially when Ricochet was on the team, former Intercontinental champion, and even though he took him out of the match with a chair, the fact that he's even able to stand on his own with all these other guys, Sami Zayn included, really does solidify how... how uh, What's the right word again? Solidifies like, how serious of a competitor Solo Sokoa should be taken as, and I like that. I think that's a really good way of kind of inserting him quickly and you know because of the you know because of the fact that he's grown up in the industry and he, he is part of the bloodline he's kind of getting tossed into the deep end and so far he's done a really good job of of swimming to the top. After that we had Sammy and Solo walk back into the bloodline locker room. They run into Jay Uso outside of the locker room. He opens the door for them. He says he was there to watch his brother. I'm guessing this was pre-taped. But Jay then tells Sammy, when it's just the two of them, that he sees right through Sammy that Sammy might have everyone else fooled, but not him, and that he's going to do something if Sammy tries to do anything to his family. Sammy tells Jay uh, to take it up with Roman and says, if you don't mind, I'd like to go into our locker room. Clearly, you know, I don't... I really I've said it before and there's I just really like how there's so many ways you could go with this. There's the you know, the thing i had outlined with the rock. There's just the inevitable, you know, match between Jay and Sammy. There's there's, you know, Sammy turning on the bloodline that, you know, he wanted to show that he really was the the, the master manipulator that he claims to be him. so good at it that he was able to weasel his way into the bloodline even. Or going the other way. Really thinks they're friends, and the bloodline kicks him out. We get sympathetic babyface. There's just so many ways to go here, and I love it. I thought this was a nice little way of keeping the intrigue alive on where this is going to go, even after Sami Zayn was officially inducted into the bloodline last week by Roman Reigns himself by giving him the honorary Oos shirt. Next, there was a carrion cross. Video package, well, video vignette type thing, and I loved this. I loved this. I've mentioned on here, I've mentioned it on Twitter, I've mentioned it in so many places that I wanted to see something more akin to the videos that he posts on social media his YouTube videos, his you know, he posts them on Twitter and Instagram as well. But when he is producing these videos himself, they're much more cinematic. I, I, it's not that I dislike the black and white. The black and white's cool for an entrance. It's got a cool mystique to it. But the but the promos, it's not that I don't like the black and white. I just feel like these videos he does, where he's kind of like in the streets, like smoking a cigar, walking through cities, and like you hear just kind of like his his voice, and he's saying kind of creepy stuff. That was more what this felt like to me. Uh, he says that you know he and Drew want the same thing, but only one of them can have it. And once the world sees what what carrying Cross has been shown through the cards, and Drew is out of the way, he says he'll go on to make history and become the undisputed universal champion. But the way they sh- but the way they shot this to me was the real positive here. Um, I felt like it just had a cooler vibe to it. It was more similar to the stuff he's done to get himself over when he's out there on his own, not in WWE. They just I don't know, there's just a cooler allure to them when they when they're kind of like in a suit in the streets, just tough people. Tough tough guy and his lady who may or may not be a, a super natural person who can see the future. Unclear at this point in time, but what is clear at this point in time in the podcast and on the show is that this segment ended with another white rabbit QR code. It was fairly clear on the screen and once again came up when Carrying Cross was cutting a promo. He finished it. He finished what he was saying, but his face was still there. And digitally, a QR code drops and now this week's QR code leads you to leads you to a video that begins with uh, the the three little pigs, the whole you know the famous story with the big bad wolf and the three little pigs, and you see they're dancing and they're singing and they're building, and it's got some happy music, and but then it's cut in with with uh you know sliced up pigs, you know, real pictures of pigs. Uh, that are cut up, you got the pig heads, you got the pig legs, Um, there's three little pig heads, a bunch of pig legs, actually there's three pig heads, but there's only two pig legs, not sure the significance there, but I'll tell you everything that they show you, then there's the big bad wolf animation, that cuts to uh, what looks like a real picture of someone dressed up as the big bad wolf, there's a more realistic imagery, of the big bad wolf, uh, when they're inside the house, when when they're when they're inside the house, and then uh, that's it. But see, this one was a little more mysterious because it has what sounds like Morse code playing the whole time. But then I I saw John Alba tweeting me saying he put it through a Morse code analyzer online and I did the same thing and it appears to me like the only actual text that it actually truly seems to spell because I saw various things on the internet and I didn't the, the analyzer didn't say that to me and I can't actually read or you know make out translate I should say I can't translate Morse code um, but when the it looked to me and I'm trying my best to line it up that when the big bad wolf is on screen that's when the morse code spells out the word reborn reborn um because other people had done it in the past also on top of that i looked in the code to see if there was any clue there all i saw was the it said drink more Ovaltine" in one spot um And additionally, the the URL was 1911. And 1911 are the numbers that Bray Wyatt had in his hat when he was dressed as the Mad Hatter in the Firefly Funhouse. Also, just going deeper down this uh, rabbit hole. Um, Okay, so this is where it gets even... (laughs) This is where you got to get real deep with it, okay? So in the corner of this week's video, there's a tiny bunny. Like in the very corner of the page, there's a tiny little bunny. And when you hover over it, it said TS Season 10 Episode 6. Season 10 Episode 6 of The Simpsons, and this was not me who figured that out. But if you look at season 10, episode 6 of The Simpsons, T.S., uh, it says the plot is that Homer digs up his estranged mother's past, discovers his true hippie middle name, and meets her old friends. Whatever that means. But I guess also the song White Rabbit is also in that episode. There was also someone who seemed to be uh, working involved in this i should say with a sign that stood behind Corey and michael cole for a minute that said revel in what you are which is something that bray wyatt has tweeted and lastly i know lastly (laughs) um all right so this one's the most deep clue we've seen yet i think but If you look in the file name of that little rabbit, so you save that little that image that's in the corner of the little rabbit. If you save that, and then you look in the file name, there's keywords in there, and the keyword is a phone number. When you call that phone number, it's clearly something. It's clearly audio that is being said backwards, right? So I put that into a reverse audio program and it comes out saying bravo it, well, it says it like bravo echo lima alpha india romero and then it says i am the way into the city of woe and someone tweeted me so it's like an old quote or i don't know monologue i don't know but there's this long thing It says, I'm the way into the city of woe. I'm the way to a forsaken people. I'm the way into eternal sorrow. Sacred justice moved my architect. I was raised here by divine omnipotence, primordial love, and ultimate intellect. Only those elements time cannot wear were made before me, and beyond time I stand. And it ends by saying, abandon all hope, ye who enter here, which... (gasps) Is what the sign said. <coughs> Got so excited, I started coughing. It's what the sign said inside the Firefly Funhouse. So that's what the sign on the door said Abandon all hope, ye who exit here. So this says, Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. There is a connection. There's clearly a connection here. If this isn't Bray Wyatt, I am going to be shocked. I'm going to be shocked. But what I can say about this, man, what I can definitively say about this is that I freaking love it. I love it. This is great, dude. Like, this is so much fun doing this kind of stuff. I love doing this kind of stuff. Digging around, seeing what I can find. I'm a former reporter, for God's sake. You don't think I like digging around in clues? I feel like I'm dealing with the Riddler or something here. It's fun. This is great. It's interactive television. It's what I've been wanting. It's things I like to see. I'm loving it. I have a feeling this all comes to a head of extreme rules. I don't think we're that far away from seeing the white rabbit revealed. But I'm so excited for when it happens. It gives me something to do. It gives me something to be excited about. Who wouldn't want that when they're watching their favorite television show? All right. Quick commercial break. Just a quick one. And then we'll get back to talk about The rest of what actually happened on SmackDown. Not me getting sucked down a rabbit hole in QR codes. What actually happened on SmackDown right after this break. All right, so after that, we had Theory talking crap backstage. Theory uh, gets caught talking crap about Drew McIntyre, and Drew tells him to meet him in the ring. So then we get Theory versus Drew McIntyre after the break. Uh, before Drew can hit the Claymore for a quick victory over Drew McIntyre, Chad Gable gets on the apron. McIntyre tosses him into the ring. Then Otis gets physical, Drew pulling him out of the ring. It's a DQ. They're uh, going to town on the Scottish psychopath. They're teaming up on him, but Johnny Gargano from Raw runs out to make the save. However, he also succumbs to the numbers advantage. They're taking him down. They're taking him out. This prompts another save, this time from Kevin Owens, who evens the score and helps the other two stand tall in the ring. We'll get a match later between all six of these guys, so we'll get to that in just a minute. But first, maximum male models are shown backstage, and Massey says he understands why Max Dupree is disappointed in the group lately. But tonight, they're going to show him... That he should still have faith in them because they're going to win a title. Max, who's excited, says, you got a match against the Usos? And Maxine says, no, tonight they're going to break the Canadian record. Not just the record, the Canadian record for longest pose. They hit the pose, and an annoyed Max Dupree walks away in disgust. We'll get back to this as well. This is something that they pay off later in the show. Los Lotharios versus Hit Row then takes plays. And at one point in the match, Top dollar hits a side slam and then rolls backwards after to stand up, which Michael Cole finds hilarious. I, I felt like he couldn't even keep his composure for a little while. He was so entertained by this move from Top Dalla. Um Ultimately, Hit Row win after hitting their heavy hitter finisher. Um, I've noticed, and I may, maybe this is just me, but I kind of felt like a, uh, there was a lack of moves having names in the past couple of years, maybe five years, maybe longer. Where it'd be like they'd be okay just calling a move the stomp, or you know, the spear. Well, I guess the spear is a name for a move, but it wouldn't be like someone's defined name for their move to get it over as a signature move or a finishing move and I always felt like that was really important to do even if it already had a name to give it a name that fits the superstar I just think that when it has a name that matches the superstar it it just kind of you have this uh there's just this kind of like recognition between the two and you're able to kind of get more excited when they do that move and I've noticed in the past few episodes, Michael Cole really establishing more names. This one in particular, he was calling out a bunch of names of moves for, for Top dollar that ha- that were specific to him, including this heavy hitter, finisher. So um, something I liked in that match, definitely. I mean, the wrestling was, was good too, obviously. Uh, I, I think that Hit Row continues to show why it was a smart move to bring them back when Triple H got hired, and I think Los Lotharios have done the same thing for a while they've shown that they're good to have around they're 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 great in their roles um i do think Humberto is better as a babyface, and i'd like to see them break up and split apart again and and both kind of get their own respective pushes on separate shows because i think Humberto's a great cruiserweight such a uh, you know such an impressive performer in the ring when given the opportunity to do so when he was a babyface, people were loving it it's just he never really kind of like had the machine behind him and and I think that uh, Angel has a ton of potential to be the Latino star that they are always looking for. And I really think if if pushed in the right way as a, as a solo competitor, uh, he could be what they want. Next, we had R- Ronda, Rosey, uh, Ronda Rousey backstage. She's asked about how extreme Liv got last week. And Ronda, once again, calls Liv... A Hooters girl and says it wasn't that extreme. She calls herself the most dangerous woman on the planet and asks how Kayla thinks she'll do with a bat in her hand too. After that, Ronda Rousey faced Natalia and defeated now defeated Natalia fairly quickly. But then she gets confronted by Liv Morgan after the match. Liv has a baseball bat in her hand. And with a crazed look in her eyes, she goes on the attack. Rhonda tries to fight back. She ducks away when Liv swings. So Liv swings the bat into a turnbuckle post. Rhonda then hits her finisher on Liv on the outside. The bat goes flying. They fight over the bat, but Liv gets control of it again. She goes to swing, but Rhonda reverses it again. Security comes out to stop her from using the bat. Ronda listens. She goes to walk away, but this allows Liv to once again pounce from behind. Refs finally get them apart, and uh, they they are separated. We get away from this. Um, I like what they're doing with Liv Morgan, dude. I really do. I think that they've done a really good job of even if she were to lose at Extreme Rules, even if she were to lose, I feel like they've done a good job of, of, of making her feel like a top star on the show held the title for like over 85 days. She's, you know, getting pops when she comes out opposite Ronda Rousey, even though there was a time when they were booing her, she got them back on her side. Um, She looks tough in the fact that she's willing to swing a bat at Ronda Rousey's face and not care. I like it. By the way, if you're listening to this, don't tell anyone I told you this, but the guest next week on out of character I guess next week on out of character is Liv Morgan. She's coming back. She's coming back, ladies and gentlemen, round 2 with Liv Morgan, but don't go telling everyone. I don't want to get in trouble for saying it too soon. Make sure you listen to the Caleb Braxton interview still. It's a very good conversation. I liked it a lot. Um but yeah, no, I'm really uh, I'm looking forward to this match. I think they've done a really good job of of building these two up and I've uh, unless I'm mistaken, Shayna hasn't really been on since since Ronda called her out, and I'm wondering if Ronda gets help in the match from Shayna Baszler. That's going to be my prediction when I do a prediction show, so still be surprised when I do the predictions. (laughs) Next, we had KO and Gargano and Drew backstage. They all agree Theory needs his ass kicked. KO walks off. He runs into Sami Zayn backstage. Kevin looks disgusted, tells Sami he needs a new shirt, And then walks off. Just going to put a little pin in that. In case anyone forgot, Kevin is still focused on uh, the tribal chief. And he's unhappy with his homie sitting right beside him. But they're they're building to it. I like it. It's bubbling. It's bubbling under the surface. And we're going to get there eventually. Next, we had Imperium out. They say... Gunther is what a champion looks like, not a brawling brute. Gunther promises to grind Sheamus down next week in their match for the Intercontinental Championship. His words. Then the next night, they'll obliterate all three members in a Donny Brook match. Sheamus interrupts, saying Ridge and Butch are stuck in Florida because of the hurricane, but he has no problem fighting all three. He then busts out a shillelagh, attacks Ludwig, And Vichy, so now he's alone in the ring with Kunder. He throws the shillelagh out of the ring to make things fair. I got to say, shillelagh. I do not know how to spell shillelagh. I write notes out so that I can keep uh, track of what I want to say here when I'm running down certain parts of the show. And when it came to writing the word shillelagh, every time I tried, I was wrong. Every single time. And I'm really disappointed in myself. I kept saying, really? That's not how you spell shillelagh? Let me see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to I'm gonna type it out. Shill should know that word. Get it tweeted to me enough. E-L-A-G-H. E-L. Oh, I was so close. Oh, if this had been a spelling bee, guys, I would have been so mad at myself. The way I typed it out was, oh, I was so close. S-H-I-L, didn't do two L's, my mistake, uh, E-L-I-G-H, it's A-G-H, I was so close, guys, and I know that you guys are really interested in my spelling, but just know, spelling is something that really grinds my gears, I'm, I've, I've always been a stickler for spelling, <laughs> so not being able to spell a word is something that pisses me off. Shillelagh was one of those words. Anyways, (laughs) Seamus uh, and Gunther fight. Gunther gets the advantage, uh, so he leaves. Seamus then gets back up and asks if that's all he's got. Uh, So Imperium come back in together and beat him down some more, including using the shillelagh, which I, once again, didn't spell right. Um... (laughs) God, I'm probably never going to spell that wrong again now since I just talked about it this much. Uh, but really, I man, I'm hyped. Next week next week we're getting the Gunther versus Sheamus rematch on the season premiere of SmackDown. We're getting Logan Paul versus, excuse me, not versus Logan Paul and Roman Reigns face to face should be a really fun episode of SmackDown. A good season premiere. One that they're clearly pushing as something we should be watching. An important episode. I'm sure a lot's going to happen right before Extreme Rules. But man, I am hyped to see Sheamus versus Gunther again, man. I am so excited for that. That's going to be fun. That's going to be fun. Uh, yeah, that's definitely going to be fun. Uh, next, we've got Bailey versus Shotzi. And Shotzi has the tank. She's got the tank. She got the tank back. Oh, I'm so excited. And now it's upgraded too because it shoots pyro now. Not just not just Nerf being shot out of it. It's got full pyro badass stuff. Uh, Shotzi Blackheart, I think this is going to be her breakout year. I think she's got so much talent. I think she's so cool. I think she's someone who is... A person that just has it when they're on screen. And the tank, I never understood them taking the tank away from her. It was such a cool part of her character. You know, the whole thing is like WWE has unique characters. and You want them to all stand apart from each other. And Her having the the helmet and the tank, it was all part of her, her thing, taking care of business. So I was bummed when she had the tank taken from her. I'm glad she's got it back now. And I'm stoked to see her as a babyface. I think that she's going to have a great year as a babyface. And I could see her winning one of the women's titles in WWE this year. Bailey eventually wins this match, though. After hitting the rose plant, Bailey then drags a ladder out from under the ring and puts Shotzi between it on the ground. Bianca runs out to make the save, though. They reverse each other's finishes, and Bailey retreats. Um, this one was fairly straightforward in the build towards more you know in the build with more towards the match pitting uh, Bianca Belair versus Bailey for the Raw Women's Title. Um and it and technically didn't make sense having her on the show since Bailey on the show since she's not one of the Raw, the one of the women's tag team champions uh but but uh, but it was a good match. I was enjoy- I was sorry. I'm reading a text message from my girlfriend as I'm talking to you guys and my fiance. Very inappropriate. My apologies. I'm trying my best to talk and read a text message. Not smart of me. Uh, <laughs> but it was a good job of using this to to build a little bit more to Bailey versus Bianca. And I feel like we would have seen more had the hurricane not caused some people to miss the show, including damage control. Next, maximum male models are shown finishing their pose for their record, their Canadian record pose. But Max Dupree knocks Mansois out, stands over the two of them, and says that those two guys had a shot, and now they've become clowns. So this isn't for him anymore. Uh, Takes off the belt and says, in fact, quite frankly... I'm not sure this ever was for me. Yeah, clearly the 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 precursor to officially being Eli Drake again. I'm wondering if we if what name we get. He's had a lot of names over the years. I'm guessing he's going to be Eli Drake again, but we haven't really, unless I'm unless I'm mistaken, we haven't really had one person that's like no. That's not my name. I'm this since Triple H took over. We still got Butch. He hasn't done that as Pete Dunn. We've gotten you know a first name back and Matt Riddle. You know we've gotten little things like that. But I don't think we've had one person just outright say like, no, I want this name now. But I do think Eli Drake is going to be that person. I just don't know how they, if they try to explain it, or if they just do what they've been doing here and they, do, I don't know. That's the thing that I'm most interested in, is how do you do that and make it logical? Triple H has been very logical in everything he's been doing. Like He even has kept a lot of the things they were doing before as to not make it jarring for the viewer by just drastically changing course on something. The one thing I could think of that they really dropped, it seemed, was Dolph Ziggler and Austin Theory. So, I don't know how we get there, but I feel like that's... I mean, it seems to be the case where we're, we're getting Eli Drake back, I think. Whether he has that name or not, that remains to be seen. I don't think that he'll be Max Dupree, though. We'll see. We'll find out. Lastly, the show ended with Theory and Alpha Academy versus Kevin Owens, Johnny Gargano, and Drew McIntyre. And ends when Johnny Gargano hits a spinning DDT on the outside... Owens hits a stunner on Gable on top of the announce table and then Drew McIntyre hits the claymore on Theory for the win. He then pulls out a leather strap and attacks Theory with it to promote the strap match against Karrion and Cross. Loaded episode, lots happening. Stuff built up for next week. Um and really like the main thing I keep saying is just like every segment, every segment maximized. Beyond that even, because they're even maximizing little QR codes in the corner of the screen to get people going down a rabbit hole, a rabbit hole that's, that I'm still going to probably keep looking for clues in. So check back in on Monday. I'll let you know if I found anything else. Until then, make sure that you're subscribed to this podcast feed. If you've listened to all of this and you're you're a new listener, this is the first time you've listened, what up? Thank you. I appreciate it. But please subscribe to the channel if you can, the podcast feed if you can, and make sure that you leave a review if you enjoyed the show. I read them as you heard at the top, and I appreciate them all very much. They they help us move up the charts. They help people know that this show doesn't suck when, when you listen to it. So please keep leaving those reviews. Uh, I, I appreciate them very, very much. Also, make sure you subscribe. To the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. That's where you can find out of character every Wednesday at 9 8, Excuse me, 8 a.m. Pacific Time now. I've noticed there's a little change. 8 a.m. Pacific Time is when the video version of the show goes out on Wednesday morning. You can also find the podcast version early in the morning before that in this feed that you are currently listening to this podcast in. Also, lastly, make sure you follow WWE on Fox on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, we're all over, so make sure you follow at WWE on Fox. All right, that's it. I'm done officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this has been the SmackDown Roundup.